0: Welcome to the Together for Good podcast, a podcast specifically designed to inspire, challenge, and uplift you during your daily walk of faith. We continue with our journey through the Easter season. A big thanks to Intern Rita, who's been hosting and leading all of these episodes. Today, Intern Rita sits down with Colleen Mackey. Colleen is our coordinator of media here at Bethany. And the two of them talk together about how rewatching an old television show or movie is a way of practicing resurrection. I know. Is there better news in the world than that? (laughs) I'm going to turn it over now. This is a great conversation. Hope you enjoy it. As always, thanks for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Together for Good podcast, a podcast to accompany you on your daily walk of faith. This is once again Intern Takes Over the Podcast. Woo woo woo. We love these episodes, or at least I love these episodes, and I say that every time, and I will say it every time that I record them. Uh, So, I am Intern Rita, if we have not had a chance to meet, and I am taking over the podcast for the Easter season um, because I want to talk with some of my favorite people about how they are practicing resurrection. So we know that we are an Easter people, a people of the empty cross and the empty tomb, as I say every time. And because Jesus was resurrected, we are called to practice resurrection in our daily walk of faith. But as with anything with our walk of faith, it takes being in community to be inspired and uplifted and encouraged. uh, And how we might practice these aspects of faith, including practicing resurrection. And so like I said, I get to talk with some of my favorite people about how they are practicing resurrection. And today we have a very special guest. Uh, Colleen is here with me to talk about how Colleen practices uh, resurrection through re-watching a favorite TV show. So I'm very excited about this one because I love when you get theology and pop culture mixing together. Uh, <laughs> it's always a fun time. So Colleen, Take it away.
1: Hey, y'all. My name's Colleen. I use they, them pronouns. I work in the office here at Bethany doing social media, website, and some design. And today, I'm excited to talk to you about an oldie but a goodie, Madam Secretary. Ooh. I had COVID like two weeks ago, right around uh, Easter time, and was stuck in bed, and I just watched something that I thought was going to be really mindless, because mm-hmm. I'd watched it before, but um, started Madam Secretary. And if you haven't seen it, it's a show that follows two college professors that are married to each other, and one gets appointed to um, Secretary of State, Ooh. and the mm-hmm. other one becomes a spy for the CIA. Whoa. <laughs> so their lives are kind of intertwined. Yeah. But why I wanted to talk about this show in terms of resurrection is what, um, it's really been challenging me to think about ethics, mm. and both of these characters are put into different ethical conundrums around war, or spying, or even how they parent their children in the midst of, um, conflict, um, and so I was even watching an episode this morning over my coffee, and these two parents Bess and Henry their daughter was going to get kicked out of school because mm-hmm. they couldn't come and do volunteer hours because <laughs> their jobs were so high powered <laughs> and I just was thinking a lot about like these choices that we have to make in difficult situations and for me I was drawing a parallel between these characters and the choices that they had to make for national security or their their child being in school Mm -hmm. and how that might have looked like in Jesus's day like what did it look like to be around the cross Mm -hmm. when Jesus was up there what did it look like to be um one of his followers or one of someone that was curious about him Mm -hmm. what did it look like to be the women who who found the tomb empty um all of these different ethical th- situations that aren't always talked about when we talk about Easter or the resurrection, because I think there's a lot of focus on what's G- what Jesus's death did did and does for us. Mm-hmm. But for me, this Easter season, I've been thinking a lot about all the people around him and the choices that they were faced with.
0: Yeah, no, that that's really interesting because it's you know uh, in thinking about the TV show, you have kind of these like dueling systems of power that are, you know, the school system that obviously wants people to volunteer and wants uh, so that you know, families are involved in the lives of their kids and the lives of the school and everything. Um, But, you know, you also have the, the, they have these high power jobs for the government, which is also, you know, another system of power, like uh, school systems are kind of adjacently associated with that if it was a public school system, but. um, It
1: was the Quakers.
0: Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so not a public school system. So then, yeah, you have, you know, you have your, your system of power of the school, but then you also have your system of power of um, the, United States government, and so, like, these dueling systems of power that make you, uh, have to navigate all of these questions that, um, not only are a result of, like, being a person in society, um, but also, like, a person of faith, and, uh, and a person who is a parent, and a person who, um, is just trying to do their best and live their life, like, you have all these little things that are making you, um, make decisions and that, and, Um, That can be really challenging. Uh, It can be really hard to like balance those out. Um, And like, you know, you want to be the best in every category. And sometimes you can't sometimes you have to let things go. Um, You know, I think relating that to resurrection, um, and you mentioned the, like, what it was like to be at the cross and then at the tomb and then after, um, at the empty tomb, um, and like the questions that are going in people's minds and like how they're trying to rationalize, like what these like Roman systems of power were telling them was going to happen or was, um, not going to happen or, and what the Jewish leaders were telling them was going to happen, wasn't going to happen. And then what they were witnessing and seeing, um, in their own, like, walk of faith, like, you know, seeing these people that maybe would have been curious about Jesus, but then got caught up in this, like, powerful mob, and were saying things that maybe they wouldn't have said if it was just them, but they were caught up in this, like, powerful system of other people, uh, and, you know, or they were, um, I just recently read a, a book called the Book of the Longings, and it's kind of a telling of, if Jesus had, uh, a wife and like how that might work and how that might play out and those kind of things. But the interesting thing is that Anna, the character that, um, is possibly Jesus's wife in this like fictional story, um, her dad is in, um, a high leader in like the systems of power that are existing. And so she watches him sacrifice, um, a lot, in terms of his ethics and his morals and stuff, because he wants to maintain that position of power um and I'm not saying that like everyone in positions of power is sacrificing their ethics or their morals, but it definitely puts them into a place where they have to think about that a little bit more,
1: yeah, I especially think with these characters, um so Henry the husband and the father is a Catholic and a professor of military ethics is one of the classes he teaches, mm-hmm. and it's kind of a cover for his CIA position. But also, he, he has his PhD, he's, he's an ethicist and a theologian. And he thinks really, really deeply about basically balancing national security with human life and human and not even human life, but human emotional stability, mm-hmm. mental health. Um, in a way that is really thoughtful, but also really agonizing. And that's kind of how I imagine some of the people around Jesus had to think or were forced to think, especially at his crucifixion. Like, what does this mean for me? Um, Mm -hmm. I was following this teacher, and now he's gone. He's supposed to resurrect. I don't know if Mm -hmm. he will. Um, And so many different voices, systems of power, And I just think growing up as a Lutheran, as a Christian, you know, going to, what, 33 Easter services in my lifetime, um, it's not often that we talk about all the folks that were around Jesus. But really, that's who I see myself as, Mm -hmm. and that's who I see the Christian community as today. We're we're not Jesus. We follow him. We're the people Mm -hmm. that were around him. And it's not always so black and white, like to follow his teachings or to get out of systems of power or work within systems of power. I think we're all just trying to be faithful people, but, Mm -hmm. but that's hard. It's hard.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we're people of faith in this Christian community, but we're also people of society and, uh, the, those systems of power in the societal systems that we're a part of um you know oftentimes are sinful just uh you know not by any fault of ours in like creating those systems but it's just how they were set up how they've been perpetuated um you know in the oppression of uh, people of color and the oppression of women and the oppression of um minorities, uh, and the oppression of, um, people who are economically disadvantaged. Um, you know, all of those factors, uh, really feed into, um, the society that we're a part of. And, uh, you kind of have to be a part of that system in order to fix that system. If you're on the outside just looking at it and saying, this is bad, this needs to be fixed, nothing's going to be fixed because people aren't going to see you as a person that um, could change anything. So you have to be a part of the system in order to have a voice in the system. uh, And then you can speak out against why those systems are problematic and why um, they need to be changed. And you can use your faith as a um, you know, motivator in that change. Um, you know, we do have the, um, ELCA Lutheran Advocacy Office that really looks at all of the bills that are coming up, um, both locally and nationally. And, um, you know, either doesn't have an opinion on them because they don't really have to do with anything that's like, uh, societal impact or people impact, like, um, and whatnot or they have uh, you know arguments like for or against a bill based upon our uh, Lutheran traditions and our um, Christian faith and our um, understanding of who we are as a people of God um, which I think can be really helpful because uh, it's kind of confusing to navigate this society um, and culture and everything that this world is throwing at us uh, with that lens of our faith and of resurrection and who Jesus was and how we can full like live into who Jesus was.
1: I think it's really fascinating to talk about the advocacy office because often I feel like pastors and clergy really um, feel pressure not to talk about politics but Jesus was inherently political and his teachings as they translate to um, life in society today inherently are political mm-hmm. like clothe the hungry Eric feed the hungry clothe the naked those are those are political calls and theological ones as well but um, I really appreciate the work of the advocacy office because they're Um, Analysis of bills is really thoughtful and theological in a way that might not always be welcomed in the pulpit, but I think is a a challenge and a um, necessary thing to hear as people of faith. I was at this Habitat for Humanity um, fundraiser breakfast yesterday and they had a panel on kind of development and housing and an issue that I learned about was all of this pushback against different density codes And um, the folks on that panel, they were developers, real estate folks, um, but they were really talking about density as kind of a theological issue. Like, Mm -hmm. how do we welcome our neighbor? Why are we telling um, some people that they can't be here? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: My question would be, like, what would Jesus do in that situation? How do we practice resurrection when we talk about housing? Um, I don't think that's separate from the resurrection story or from jesus's call to us as faithful people
0: Mm -hmm. no i agree um and uh, yeah it is funny when people say like oh you know you can't mix politics and faith but it's like that like you said jesus is inherently political and i mean i would I would argue that I really wish that you know feeding the hungry and clothing the naked and um loving your neighbor would not be political statements
1: um exactly me too
0: I would love if that was just like how we as a society just operated and like that um that wasn't making a political stance but um in our culture like that is making a political stance and uh and so um you know that's not necessarily saying that the church is left or right or democratic or republican like um you know like uh we've been talking about um the advocacy office really looks at the bills and kind of relates them to our faith and um they aren't you know looking at what party has put out that Mm -hmm. bill if it um you know and they're not looking at um who is in support or who is against they're just looking at what is this bill outlining, and what um how does that fit with our uh values as Lutherans and as Christians and as everything that that's encompassed in that?
1: Yeah, I definitely used that voting guide here in Colorado the last election season i I honestly wasn't aware that they produced something like that, but it was really mm-hmm. helpful just to think through, especially in Colorado um I'm new to this state, but there were just so many things to vote on. Um, and the guide was really helpful thinking through like, as a person of faith, how does this impact my neighbor, how does it create justice in the world? How does it create a more beloved community?
0: Mm-hmm. absolutely well, uh thank you so much for sharing so much about how you can practice resurrection through rewatching a favorite t v show or if you don't have a favorite t v show, maybe rewatch a favorite movie because um, I think. Uh, There is so many different ways of how pop culture can um, help explain these like complicated theological topics or kind of help relate these complicated theological topics to our our daily lives and our daily walk of faith um, that are easier than even, you know, uh, reading the Bible and trying to like relate that to your walk of faith or listening to a sermon and trying to relate that to your walk of faith. Sometimes it takes um, this art form, uh, to help you, like, understand and, uh, practice resurrection more in your daily life, so.
1: Definitely. Thank you, Rita, for talking with me, and my challenge to all of you listeners would be watch a show you've watched before, watch a movie you've watched before, and, um, root for the underdog, um, connect with a character that maybe isn't the main character, see yourself in someone that might be different than you. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's a great challenge. I love that challenge. We always love a challenge at the end of our podcast. So um, with that, would you like to pray with me? Definitely. Let us pray. Thank you for the joy of stories and the ways that the story of faith and the gospel of Jesus can enliven our days. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Rita. Absolutely.